0: This is very important for the listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> My kitchen floor is made in such a way that you can clean it and literally two minutes later, it will be dirty. And you're like, what, "Where's what is going on here? Is this some sort of magnet for fuzzies and dirt and things?
1: Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we have seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pananto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going well, Nick. How are you? I'm doing just great today. I have seen two movies this week.
0: And what birds about Birds Falling Out of a Tree.
1: I did see birds fall out of a tree. That was weird. Tornado warning in Delaware today. It's exciting. February February tornadoes. Yeah. Everything's fine.
0: Yeah. Just so we're clear, today is probably not the day you're listening to this. So if you're in Delaware listening, don't worry about it right now.
1: <laughs> the tornado warning has expired. Right. Unless oh. there are birds currently falling out of your trees.
0: Yeah, if you see birds falling out of a tree, maybe check to see if there is a tornado coming. <laughs> I saw one movie this week.
1: What'd you oh, see, okay. Nick? I watched a documentary called Miss Americana from 2020 Hmm. and i finished watching terminator 2 judgment day from 1991
0: excellent i watched a movie called assimilate
1: oh i don't know anything about that you shouldn't okay well i guess i'll begin since i saw the most good call and i suppose i will begin with miss americana from 2020 this is a netflix documentary about taylor swift and uh, it is directed by lana wilson and it stars taylor swift huh. basically this tells this the story of of taylor swift based i mean that's it <laughs> that's it it's like it's kind of a, a biography a little bit and then towards the end it's more about her becoming a, a political presence yeah it's actually pretty good it's only an hour and 25 minutes but it feels much longer wow which which isn't great i didn't love this movie but i found it to be very interesting and i did not care for taylor swift's music until she started making more poppy songs like in the last few years
0: she was originally like more country right
1: yeah and i don't really care for like the country music stuff but like her pop stuff i i I kind of really dig. Like, it's actually pretty, pretty entertaining. Really catchy, and she writes all her own music. And she's got a real gift for a, a hook. Like, she's she's very talented. And this movie spends a lot of time with her while she's like crafting her songs and stuff. Like, I guess whenever she's writing music, she just always has a camera on her to to record it. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the the process is behind that, but it seems like she always has a camera on her when she's working and. You can see her, like, building the songs from scratch, and it just seems to come so naturally to her, like, these crazy hooks. Uh, At one point, she's working with a producer on one of her songs, I think from, I don't know, one of her, like, clearly from one of her albums. But, like, they put the hook together in, like, three minutes, and the way that they come together with it they're both they're both so excited about how quickly it came together and how how well it works and you're like, wow that's that's crazy like how the the songwriting process is for a musician like this because I always just kind of imagine that. I mean I know it's different for every musician but like they, they they write their songs on the tour bus when they're feeling sad or something and basically Taylor Swift will wake up at like four o'clock in the morning and kind of hum into her cell phone and then the next day try to figure out what she was trying to say. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry wakes up in the middle of the night and writes down a note and he's like, I thought this was the funniest thing in the world. What? And he can't read his handwriting. Mm Mm-hmm and then the the rest of the episodes about him trying to figure that out and then that's kind of what this movie does a lot too is she she like will record something in the middle of the night and then try to figure out what she was going for and most of the time she does and 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 you can you can see the developmental process of the songs and the producer that she works with will build the musical track around the lyrics uh-huh. and you could see her thought process while the beat is being created in addition to the lyrics being written at the same time and it's really fascinating it's it's really fascinating she's really talented and she's really got a good head on her shoulders the one thing that i really got from this documentary is that she's genuinely very smart and she seems very sincere and it was very refreshing like the whole time you're watching You're like, well, this is this feels like it's a commercial for like a new album or something. You're like, that's why it's coming out. I don't know if she has a new album coming out or if a new album recently came out. She seems she
0: she just came out with them them out. out. She just came out with a new album the same time Tool did because there was like a kind of a backlash that Tool had the top selling album from her fans. Like they were like, we need to make her her stuff more popular because it's it's being beaten by some old geezer rock people which i don't blame her for at it all it's just th- that's how i know that because i remember hearing about this sort of like contest that was going on
1: yeah she talks about that a little bit in the in the documentary uh the movie starts off with her sitting around waiting for i guess her manager to call her with grammy nominations and i guess it's after one of her albums came out and the album did not do well critically, I guess. She was not up for many Grammys or like record of the year or anything like that. And she says, okay, well, I just like, I got, I got to make a better record. You know, that's, that's all I got to do. That's. It's on me. And you could tell like she's upset, but she's being positive about it or whatever. But so like I was saying like she seems to be very honest, especially during the documentary. Like it's a lot of like candid stuff where someone is always seems to be recording her with a video camera, which I feel like would be obnoxious, but I guess sure. if it's going on all the time, you would just get used to it. And she seems very casual in front of the camera. And she's talking to, I think it's her music producer. And they're discussing her next album. And she says something along the lines of, if if what I put out next doesn't top... What I put out last, then it's considered a complete failure. She's complaining about it. And she's like, and I understand where everyone's coming from, where like you always have to top yourself and all this stuff. And you just kind of like you feel for her where we're like the pressure every time you put something out is more and more each time, even though like your creative process remains the same. Right. It's a it's a pretty interesting documentary. The the only other one that I have seen like this is uh there's a U two documentary about when they went to Germany to create the album Octune Baby. Yeah. And that's a pretty interesting documentary and it shows you the behind the scenes process of how Bono writes a song and then how the band around him will will create the music around the lyrics and stuff and i always find it so fascinating how these hyper talented bands create their music on the fly where they say during the next 3 months we will be creating our music <laughs> where where to me it would be like it has to be like an almost
0: more organic?
1: Yeah, where like you two will, will say, we're going to be making our album for the next... I don't know why they have British accents, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be making our album for the next three months, and then at the end of it we will have a new album. And then Taylor Swift seems to be the same thing, where it's like every two years, I will have a new album out, and she just creates one. And it's just so strange where like, other bands, like Tool, for instance, will take 15 years off to create their music, and, and it's it's just so interesting how, how the cre- creative process works for different creative individuals. But I would say that after watching this, I have a, a much deeper appreciation for Taylor Swift. I like her a lot more as a person. She, Like I said, she seems to have a real solid head on her shoulders. She seems to really care about the things she cares about. And one of the things that she talks about at the beginning of the movie is when she was first starting out, She just wanted to be liked by people. She just wanted to be thought of as someone who was a nice person and who didn't go out of her way to make waves or anything. She just wanted to make people happy with her music and she just wanted to be a nice person. Uh And she's like, I still kind of feel that way, but the people around you will change the way that you feel about things. And she's like I still want to be a nice person, but I don't want to be just a woman who smiles and waves anymore. She's like I have I have a voice and I have an opinion and I feel like I have the right to express that. They there's this whole segment about when she got political during the 2018 midterm elections and it was like the first time that she expressed her political voice yeah. because for the most part she just refused to do it because she didn't want to Dixie chicks herself. And she uh, comes out basically as a staunch, I guess you could say a real staunch Liberal. Democrat, which I which I thought was surprising. Honestly, when it when it happened, I was like, oh, I just kind of always thought Taylor Swift was like a closet conservative kind of a thing where she's just trying to stay out of the limelight. But she's from Tennessee. So I just kind of assumed
0: I think a lot know. of people made that assumption that like she wasn't share because people had been bugging her for a while to to share her views and assume yeah. that the reason she wasn't was because she was conservative but then when she came out and said it like like a bunch of people went and registered to
1: vote yeah it was it was crazy and and you get you get to literally watch her post uh, it's like it's silly but you get to watch her post her opinion on instagram and she has her whole public relations team around her and they're all trying to talk her out of it because they all think she's like at one point she's in this big argument with her father and he's like for 12 years we haven't done this why why are you going to do this now? And she's like, I cannot let this monster of a woman win this election in Tennessee and have done nothing. And so she like comes out and like she posts oh, it on she, Instagram. She, she came out to be critical of Hillary? No, no, no. Uh, the senator running in Tennessee. I cannot remember the lady's name, but it's, it's fascinating to watch watch oh, yeah, this go down 2018 what did hillary have to do with that
0: anyway sorry i'm just like walking backwards through this conversation in my head and going matt that doesn't add up at all
1: well i mean to a vast majority of the country hillary did win the presidency and is and is still very important in the political sphere
0: well she did win the popular vote so that counts for uh, i guess something i don't
1: know hope
0: maybe but then she's injecting herself now on twitter and stuff i mean the, the guy like, shut up lady in the white house talks
1: about her all the time
0: that's true that guy that talking prune Prints need to be orange for that to really work, but whatever. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue, Nick. You said she was talking with her dad and she said Uh, that she uh, she couldn't let that go without saying anything.
1: Yeah, she's like, that's not what – she's like, I'm from Tennessee, I'm a Christian, and what she represents is not Tennessee Christian values. And she says, and I cannot – Stand by and let this go down anymore. And you're like, all right, good for you.
0: Yeah, that's a voice I want to hear from a lot more. Like, I feel like there must be tons of Christians in America who are like, these people who keep calling themselves Christians are not Christian. But I feel like we never hear that voice. So, so. To, for Taylor Swift to voice that, it's probably a really good thing for all those people who feel that way.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. It's a pretty interesting documentary. I would definitely say check it out. It, like I said, it kind of lags a little bit. It's a little slow, and it and it does feel like a commercial the whole time. But the, you really do get some insight into like a, a musician's creative process, and then there's some like a lot of behind the scenes footage of taylor swift working on stuff which i really enjoyed i wish there was more of that yeah there's at one point she had a song that was real big this summer called me something, something like someone like me that she does with a guy from panic at the disco and it shows them working on the song together and she seems so genuine when she's talking to people and everyone around her just looks like they're afraid to piss her off or to say the wrong thing and you can tell like she's sick of it it's it's like it's not that she didn't get along with the dude from panic at the disco but you could tell the whole time he's just kind of like yeah this is gonna be a big hit this is gonna be great for me and she's just kind of like i just want to make a cool song like i, I just want to make a fun song that people will like but she but she knows what she wants and she will get what she wants, but she's not a dick about it. It's 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 she's she seems to be a very cool person. Well, and uh, uh, you so know, so good for her.
0: I'm kind of torn as to whether or not I'll actually watch this because, like, I don't really want to watch a big commercial, but I do find Taylor Swift kind of interesting, like kind of fascinating because she's, she's very powerful. I don't like her music, but it can get stuck in my head. And there's a degree of respect that I have for, for being, you know, smart, but there's also like I can't put my finger on how I actually feel about Taylor Swift, so I might watch this just to kind of I don't know, figure it out or or get a feeling that's that's clearer. But mm-hmm. do they say anything about the Kanye thing?
1: They do. Yeah, they go into that. Okay. And uh, that's pretty interesting and you like you get like a point of view that I hadn't quite considered before. When Taylor Swift won the VMA for best video or whatever back Way back when. Yeah. And while she's giving her, if you're unaware, and while she's giving her acceptance speech, Kanye West runs up on stage, takes the mic from her, and then basically says, Your video was great, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. Yeah. And like they cut to Beyonce, and she's like, What? Right. And then Kanye leaves the stage, and Taylor Swift is just up there awkwardly holding her award and a microphone, and the crowd just starts booing and cut to a voiceover of Taylor Swift, and she goes, She's like, that whole thing was very surreal. She's like, I didn't understand what happened. She's like, first of all, it was Kanye West, who's like one of the biggest stars in the world, comes up on stage. And you're like, oh, neat, Kanye West. And then he says something and she's like, it happens so fast, you're not really sure what's going on. And then he's gone and all of a sudden you're alone on stage and everyone is booing. And she, she says something along the lines of, my whole career, all I want is for people to like me she's like i just want people to applaud she's like i'm sure it's some sort of psychological thing where like that's why i'm a performer in the first place is because i want the attention well the attention and the gratitude of having pleased people in Mm -hmm. some way and so she's like to be on like one of the biggest stages in the world and just having a whole audience booing even though they were booing at kanye west but she thought they were booing at her because she took beyonce's award but everyone was booing kanye not taylor swift but she just didn't you know, in the moment, she just didn't comprehend. you can see the look on her face where she's just... Yeah, I've
0: seen that. She does look just sort of kind of confused and flabbergasted. She looks
1: confused and, and horrified. And she says that messed her up for a, a long time. Okay. And, uh, yeah, where she was just kind of like taken aback by the whole thing.
0: And it's it's kind of interesting Does it to go see. into the things after that? The stuff... The be- Kanye song? Well, yeah. And the stuff where like she's like oh my god he said such and such and whatnot and then like kim kardashian put out the tape of like kanye and taylor swift agreeing together that he would say the stuff that he was gonna say they do
1: but i see i never saw that kim kardashian because that's the
0: clip. part that puts a weird taste in my mouth as far as taylor swift goes
1: according to the documentary kanye west talks to taylor swift on the phone and he says that he's going to mention her in the song and she says okay yeah that's cool thanks for the heads up but then when the song comes out kanye west calls her a bitch and that he could sleep with her if he wanted to and he's the one who made her super famous and what Taylor Swift says is that he didn't say he was going to say that he just said he was going to mention me in a song Gotcha. but I I haven't seen the Kim Kardashian video they show show part of it in the documentary but they don't show the whole thing but then it cuts to like a clip of I want to say the view of them saying a statement from Taylor Swift saying where does it say that he's going to say that about me and I say hey that's cool so I don't know
0: yeah. And uh, now I'm trying to remember whether or not I heard like ha- wh- what I actually heard when I heard the tape in whatever show I heard it in. But
1: I don't know. Maybe I'll check this out. It seems like a very honest documentary, which the whole time you're watching it, you don't expect it to be. And she's very forthcoming. And I, I enjoyed it. Well, it-, it was, it's an interesting trip into a... World like that.
0: I would take that all with a grain of salt. Not not that you can't, but I definitely expect to if I do watch this to to probably have similar responses to you, but also to be thinking like, well, that's how they want me to feel,
1: um, right? Yeah, one once true. Yeah, this
0: one thing is, and this isn't about Taylor Swift in particular, but like that I've been hearing lately that it, I think is an interesting point about how for a lot of musicians, like you were talking about, how things need to get better and better and better, which is hilarious because most music gets worse and worse and worse as people go but something that i've I've heard pointed out on like podcasts and things recently is like an explanation for that that's like when people start out they are people living kind of normal people lives Mm -hmm. and so the stuff that they're they're singing about in the context of their process is all in very relatable human life and then as they Become famous as they become rich and kind of get sucked into this world where they are surrounded by you know producers and people telling them what to do and all this money and that their life really becomes a I mean they would say like uh, out of touch but I don't know if that's necessarily right it's just a different life but but out of touch from what most people are living in and so. They don't really have the same stuff. Like their second album is. In fact, I might have heard. I might have heard some of this explanation on on a podcast where Maynor James Keenan was being interviewed. But that like a second album for a lot of people ends up being about the industry because they're trying to break mm-hmm. into it. And then there they are. And they're like, well, this place sucks. <laughs> and like, here's what's what's going yeah. on here. Like that song Ticks and Leeches, I think from Tool is about their record label fights. Cool. And now I, I think, yeah, obviously, I'm super biased here because I love Tool. But like you said, you know, they'll take a long time to make their music. It's not on somebody else's calendar, really, or schedule. Like a lot of bands will just totally get sucked into that. And then they can't really sing about Stuff anymore that, or make music about stuff anymore that really resonates deeply because it's just in this weird other world. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's it, it's strange to think of that and this idea of like it's gotta be bigger and better and just how off the mark that is. It's kind of like movies and sequels. Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh yeah, the second one's gotta be bigger and better and you're like, but the second one always sucks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a moment in the the documentary where Taylor Swift is talking about how she has to keep reinventing herself and she makes, I guess, an allusion to Madonna and Beyonce how like every three years they have to come out with a new persona kind of a thing and she's like, and I have to do the same thing and she says, so like every couple of years I have to... come out as this new shiny object but i can't be too shiny or too different and i have to people have to like me the way they want to like me and you can just hear her just hating it where she's like if i was a guy and she goes like they write a song about if she was a man how much easier it would be for her to just be a performer rather than having to in addition to writing her songs and creating the music for all this stuff she could just write the songs and perform them and then date whoever she wants and she'd be a hero meanwhile if taylor swift lives the life that she lives and she's like a pariah because she dates a bunch of guys it's an interesting look and and like i said it feels very honest and i appreciated it so there you go yeah all right well
0: I watched – actually, you know what? I've got two things to review. I've got Assimilate, which I will review the whole of, and Three Minutes of the Social Network, Oh, which I found completely irritating, and I was like, I can't watch this guy talk any longer i'm done
1: so i bailed oh, on it man
0: i was giving it a i try. love the
1: social network
0: it, well that's one reason i was checking it out
1: did you wait you turned it off like after the first three minutes of the movie like when he's literally like, on the date with the girl yep oh uh, yeah. it gets better
0: well and i was kind of i, I was taking some interest because uh, you know I've, I've heard more about the movie and gone like okay you know this is a kind of a i hate mark zuckerberg so i'm like all right maybe at this point i'm just kind of curious to see like how he's portrayed here and then i was like wow He's uh, much more annoying than I had anticipated. Just in terms of him talking, it's also Jesse Eisenberg. I'm sorry, he's probably a great guy. My sister ran into him in California. Said he was really nice in the interaction they had. But uh I find him fucking annoying, and it was it was so annoying that I just I did not feel like putting up with it at like midnight or whatever it was. Which it was a good call on my part because like I thought we were recording on Monday, so at midnight uh-huh. Sunday night Monday morning, I was like oh, well, yeah, you, know, you get up for the podcast. And I was like, and then I'll review, um, what? <laughs> what am I going to talk about? What did I want? And I was like, oh, so crap, I-, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, it turns out we're not doing this until Friday morning. And had I known that, I might have just waited till another day and chosen something more carefully. But instead, I chose Assimilate, which is a movie from 2019. And I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but it sure feels like it. If you know Ooh. what I mean. Yep,
1: Yeah. A movie no one else wanted.
0: <laughs> yeah, and this movie stars... Jo- <laughs> I you are
1: going to say stunk. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> spoiler alert, it stars Joel Courtney and Callum Worthy and Andy Matichak. Did you say Jai Courtney? No, Joel Courtney. Oh. Had it starred Jai Courtney, it also would suck. <laughs> So one of these kids was from Super 8, and I guess a bunch of other stuff, but just like things you wouldn't know. I recognized him from Super 8. I didn't realize it at first. I was like, where do I know this kid from? And then I was like, I don't care. And then like two days later, I was like, I think I saw that kid in Super 8. Oh yeah, that's what that was. And it's a shame, because I was going through IMDB to see if I if i had seen the other kid from anywhere, and the girl, and both of the, both of the guys have been in a ton of stuff. The girl hasn't been in much, and... Really, she's the best part of the movie. And that's not saying a whole lot, but I will give her credit that she's actually a pretty good actress. So what this movie is about... Oh, actually, you know what? While I'm talking about the the actors, I'll just say this. the Not the kid from Super 8. And I kind of want you to watch this movie just to have this over and over experience that I kept having with the other guy. Which is that he looks like a 24-year-old version of Martin Freeman playing a 16-year-old version of Rupert Grint. And I know that sounds like a weird description, but when you see it, you're going to go, you know, occasionally I'll nail something and you'll be like, you're 100% right, or something along those lines, which, of course, I enjoy hearing. I super anticipate this being your experience where you go you sit down and you're like okay what the hell is he talking about here and then you want you see this guy show up on screen and you're gonna be like oh my god it's martin freeman grint (laughs) anyway this movie starts out with a girl in her house who's been bitten by something and then someone shows like a spider or a werewolf like a knife (laughs) Like in terms of (laughs) if if you're wondering what the injury looks like it looks like oh someone put blood on my arm Or my leg or something. And she's just, she's calling someone. She's like, I don't know what I should do about this bite. And then a person shows up trying to crash through the window. And I don't think you can tell who it is that's trying to get in. I think that's kind of meant for later. And I, I don't know how to describe the plot of this without spoiling things a bit. I could say people in the neighborhood are just acting weird, but I'm going to go ahead and spoil a little bit. Please go. I'm, I'm not going to watch this. Problem. You got to see this guy, though. <laughs> 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 but people are acting weird. And what's going on is that people are being sort of I, I've never seen Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but if it involves people being replaced by other people. This is like that. So there's something... I think
1: that's that whole movie. Okay. People people get replaced with, like, alien versions of themselves.
0: Okay, so this is a ripoff of that movie completely. Okay. These two guys are filming a web show, like their own little reality show about this small town. And it feels like, is this going to be a found footage movie that doesn't start out with found footage? And it's like, no... There are just going to be some scenes that are shot through the camera so they can get away with crappier special effects, which honestly, I don't really mind as a conceit. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, except that like this web show thing just doesn't really have to do with anything. It's just an excuse for them to do that. So if you can come up with a better excuse to do that and make the special effects look a little better, that's fine. You know, like in Signs? How, like, the scariest moment in the whole movie is when you watch the footage from, like, Venezuela, and mm-hmm. the alien just walks through the street, and you're like, wow, that looks kind of real, because it's yeah a crappy camera.
1: Aside from later in the movie, when it's just in the living room, like, <sighs> <laughs> Looking super crummy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I hope I don't get wet today. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> um, thank God it's not very humid or rainy. Continue. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid of baseball bats. <laughs>
0: All right, that's enough of that. Um, so, so Martin Freeman keeps telling Frankie Muniz Jr. to like to seize his life and stuff. He's like, ask out the girl, do this thing. You got to get out of your house and go live. And none of this is important. None of it's important at all. I mean, it's very obvious. Like, okay, so at some point he's going to kiss this girl. But nothing needs to be fleshed out with personalities in this movie. And it doesn't matter because this Frankie Munez Jr. kid from super eight it's just he's he's not good it's just not good acting and and i don't know if he's actually a bad actor if it's just like this movie was done very quickly and you know they didn't do a lot of takes or anything but it just ends up being very non-engaging it's kind of distracting to a degree like how crappy the performances are and it's very forced i mean they're not given a whole lot to work with there was something that kept happening in this movie that was that i found very odd that was other than the Rupert Grint guy. And it's that they're, in the first half of this movie, they're, they keep going to this one house where someone else has been bitten. And the house looks like small. And I don't mean like, oh, that's not a very big house. Like, oh, it's only one floor or doesn't have a lot of rooms. Like, it looks small. Like, when they go in the door, I'm like, that doorway seems too short for them to walk through. <laughs> So so that's the other thing I want you to see. I want you to see this Martin Freeman, Rupert Grint hybrid and this house, (laughs) this small house, just so you can go, yeah, that that house does seem kind of small. Okay. So anyway, throughout the movie, they're trying to deal with people turning into other people. I, I was definitely expecting throughout the movie to have a scene where it's like, oh no, which one is the real one, which didn't happen. And in a way I was like, well, at least they didn't do that. But then at the same time, I was like, but they didn't do anything else that was anything of note either. So I don't know if that's any better. Good things about this movie. Uh, the sound editing was actually pretty good. I thought the music was surprisingly, it sound, seemed like a real movie. It didn't seem like a kind of cheap Netflix original kind of thing. The girl was a good actor. There was minimal in terms of them having this webcam show it was pretty minimal as as annoying as it seems to to have it start out with them like oh yeah and here we are filming our boring neighborhood because it's boring and i'm like well that's not very interesting <laughs> It's like, we're going to record paint drying so you can see how boring it actually is. But there's not a whole lot of it. You don't have to deal with them walking around the neighborhood, blabbering on about nothing for very long. It's not a very long movie, so that's good. There's a scene where they're inside of something and it's getting tipped over. And uh, I mean, it's not like it's never been done before to have like camera work where you're seeing things turn over and things that are smashing downward because of the angles, but it does work pretty well. And and it's it's one of the moments in the movie where I'm like, oh, this feels kind of kinetic. And there is this thing where when the creatures, once they've kind of assimilated a body or whatever, when they want to call each other for help, their mouth stretches out and they're like... Whoa! But like the way their mouth stretches, it's a little bit like you ever see I Am Legend? Yeah. Well, I know their mouths aren't supposed to be particularly stretchy there, but the special effects are pretty bad. So it does. And this looks kind of like that. And it's the sort of thing that when it happened, I think when it happened the second time and I got a better look at it, I was like, Nick would find that hilarious. I can I can totally guarantee <laughs> that you will be laughing out loud when that happens if you watch this movie, which I am, I, I am going to actually recommend to you specifically. I, I think you'll kind of enjoy it if you've got some downtime and you want You know, you and Jill are looking for something that's kind of mindless stuff, you know, just something that's kind of funny you can laugh at and pass a little bit of time. I think you you will enjoy that. Okay. Yeah. So the negative stuff, not that I haven't already hit on some of it, the acting is off, feels bad, feels weird. They keep telling you that there's no phone service. And I get that like in horror movies, we have to do that pretty much in every horror movie. But this movie just hits you over the head with it so much. It's like, I get it they don't have service. And you can even assume yourself that somehow these creatures are involved in that, but it feels like it has to spell that out to you too. And I'm just like, all right, whatever. There are people who die in this movie and the grieving process is ridiculous. Some people are, the girl has a brother, like a younger brother that she's really worried about or is supposed to be but from one scene to the next she'll completely forget about him and i think it's the writing not the acting but then the Mm -hmm. boy will be like oh my my mom and i'm like yeah i know that just happened but like we really have her like comforting him and she's like you know it's okay let's keep going and i'm like wait you just lost your dad and your mom and your brother's missing (laughs) like she's like comforting this guy and it's, it just seems weird they rip off some sean of the dead stuff they, they rip off a couple other things too like there's one moment where there's like a donkey walking through a street and you're like oh okay i've seen this in other things too where there's like i mean like an animal walking through an empty street to kind of give you this moment of like apocalypse stuff but in this too they're just it's it's really dumb they're being chased and they're like oh look this donkey in the street and then the donkey goes away and they're like, let's just keep sitting here. Let's not keep moving while we're being chased. It's dumb. There, There's a quote, okay? So so you tell me about this, because I don't know a whole lot about, you know, the internet. But there's a moment where someone says, let's upload our video to the backbone of the internet. Uh-huh. Does the internet have a backbone? Is that yeah, a thing? Yeah,
1: vertebra- it has a vertebrae. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, when you get to that moment in the movie, see how that strikes you. Because when they said it, I was like, this sounds dumb. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a, that's not a thing. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> it sounds like they wanted to say, upload it to YouTube, but couldn't get the rights.
0: You know what? That's probably right. No, actually, it's not. Because there's a point where they're like, should we put it on YouTube or Instagram or something? And they're like, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all of the things or something like that. And and maybe that's where they decide, oh, we'll just put it in the backbone. (laughs) That's where it goes to everything. And, you know, this movie does. You remember how I was saying like a a movie sort of, in, in my mind, needs to be a certain amount of like good and serious to deserve things like a dog dying Stuff like that. Sure. Well, okay. Clearly, you don't. But I did say that, and I
1: mean, I'm saying. No, no, I remember you saying that. Oh, it's okay. The fact that you said that, and then you were talking about uh, I am Legend a minute ago, yeah. and I was going to make a joke about: Do we get to see someone murder their own dog on because it's going to kill them?
0: No, no. And that is that is a hard moment in that movie, man. It
1: is. Yeah, that's tough.
0: Yeah, let's take a moment to pour one out for that dog. It didn't
1: really die, you know. That's
0: it's just an actor. It's good. It's good. This <laughs> Until movie about 2006. has 2006. Some <laughs> moments where. Where things just are darker than it has any right being. You know what I mean? Like, you know how... Okay, spoiler alert for Shaun of the Dead. Uh, uh-huh. But, like, he kills his mom. And it's, like, this yeah. real dark note in the middle of a movie that's, for the most part, pretty light. That moment kind of feels off to me because it is so much heavier, but... But Shaun of the Dead is a good movie. So I'm like, okay, I can I can kind of roll with this. This movie has a couple moments where it's like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this thing that seems very serious. And I'm like, you have not earned this. You, you, you're not allowed to do this. And I don't care. <laughs> you you want right. to pull at my heartstrings. It ain't going to happen. And for some reason, the cable company has a, you know how buildings have sprinkler systems? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty normal thing. Apparently, their cable company has a poison system. <laughs> so, like, if you need to poison everybody, you can just turn on the poison system. It's so
1: weird. Oh man! And then there's uh... wait, oh, hold on. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. You should be asking questions here.
1: So, Comcast, yeah, has a has a sprinkler system that sprays poison. Yes. Oh, uh, you don't have one of those? <laughs> no. Not. Oh, you in my gotta building. be careful. You don't hit it while you're painting the ceiling or something. It's. <laughs> bad for you
0: yeah i'm in illinois we uh we had regulation for that one so Um,
1: i've used the backbone of the internet google.com to search internet backbone yeah and according to the google and technopedia.com what is an internet backbone an internet backbone is a very high speed data transmission line that provides networking facilities to relatively small but high-speed internet service providers all around the world.
0: Oh, I take back all
1: my criticisms. (laughs) No, I... I,
0: Apparently, it's a thing. the
1: The internet backbone is the cable that connects things to each other. It's not something you upload to.
0: Well then I keep all my criticisms. <laughs> Your criticisms
1: stand. <laughs>
0: they continue. And and last but not least, this movie has a moment where you're seeing lots of shots from other countries and it seriously looks like the background from a Mortal Kombat video game. It's it's so weird and bad. And that's all I'm gonna say about this movie. Nick, please watch it. Everybody else please don't save yourself the <laughs> time.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, that brings me to the second movie that I watched this week, called Terminator 2, Judgment Day, from 1991, directed by James Cameron. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, and Edward Furlong. And this movie is awesome. <laughs> yes. this, is, this is just a great movie from the minute the movie starts till it ends. It's the sequel to The Terminator, and it's about a robot that comes from the future to kill people, to prevent something from happening in the future. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It's The minute you start picking apart a time travel movie, it all falls apart. So just go along with it. But this movie is so cool linda hamilton is so badass in this movie there's like to me it's an iconic shot where she breaks out of her asylum room after she smashes that dude who licks her in the face with yeah, the broom handle and then she grabs his nightstick and is doing like that weird hop skip run down the hall uh-huh. with her ponytail in and you're just like God damn it, is she kick ass. When I think of Linda Hamilton, that's the shot I think of. It's her doing that like run with the nightstick in her hand like wrapped up around her forearm. And I'm like, man, that's cool. And then that part is followed up by she gets to the elevator and then Arnold comes out of the elevator and she starts freaking out because right. the last time she saw him, he Getting was killing everyone. Yeah. And then she runs around the corner and the T-1000's coming down the hallway and... And the the doctor who thinks she's crazy is just kind of (laughs) there. And the T-1000 does that awesome thing where it like walks through the bars, but its gun can't get through. Oh, my God. It is just so perfect. Like beat for beat perfect the special effects are so cool i mean they look dated now but they still look amazing like they no, still they look... wouldn't
0: even be that much better now I mean, they might have more detail to them but yeah, you'd still they, they be would, able to tell it's kind of fake and it would still yeah. just work and it, and it does yeah. work in terminator
1: 2 and in terminator 2 like even though they don't it doesn't look super realistic anymore it's still like wow that's cool yeah it still has that's the effect just so cool yeah and robert patrick plays the t 1000 most of the time and he's just so great yeah it, he's he, awesome you, there's not a moment that you don't believe that he is not a robot yeah like it, it, he's there's there's like a whole sequence that the simpsons make fun of where he's like running after their car he does the thing where his arms turn into hooks and he grabs on to the back of the car and even when he's running as fast as he can his face is always very stoic yeah it
0: doesn't even look like he's breathing
1: right and he's just so robotic and cold yes that's the perfect word he's just so fantastic and when you think of robert patrick this is the robert patrick you think of not late x-files robert patrick where he's put on like 50 pounds he's skinny as a rail in this one and he's
0: because he's going, doing all that running
1: yeah and like at one point in this movie him and arnold are going toe to toe just smashing each other in the walls and you're just like arnold is probably three times the size of Gotta robert be. patrick and robert patrick is just picking him up and throwing him in the walls because he's a robot and schwarzenegger is getting smashed around and while they're smashing through these walls their faces have no emotion and like they're just robots and killing machines and the arnold robot so arnold plays another t800 from the future and he's been sent back in time to protect edward furlong who's like the leader of the human resistance in the future and the rapport between schwarzenegger and eddie edward eddie furlong as i like to call him yeah is eddie so First. yeah is so great their chemistry is really good like i know a lot of people can't stand edward furlong in this movie because he's obnoxious but I, I like him. I like him a lot in this movie. He's really cool. He's got really cool hair and yeah, I uh, think
0: he works. He he is a little bit of a pipsqueak in some ways, but like yeah. but he's still he's still believable. His reactions to things really work. His reactions with Linda Hamilton too, where she's like like at one point she's kind of lecturing the guy that doesn't realize it but like starts the whole Terminator project and uh-huh. she's like going on about oh you're gonna ruin the future and uh, yeah and, and she's then, like, just kind of monologuing and she does kind of sort of morph from being super cool to being kind of like dramatic and eddie furlong is like mom mom and he's sort of like embarrassed and annoyed at the same time and it really
1: works yeah yeah it's it's great and uh, I was reading the trivia for this movie, and apparently the production for this movie ran really long, so much to the point that Edward Furlong started really going through puberty, where in the earlier scenes, like I guess they shot the stuff where they're in Mexico first, uh-huh. and then the other stuff later, because he looks... And when you're watching it, you're like, oh, he does look a lot younger in these scenes. And then like as the movie goes on, or as scenes jump left and right, you're like, oh, he looks... He looks different and his voice cracks in other scenes because his voice is changing and stuff. So that that's kind of interesting. And it explains why he's got such a squeaky voice yeah. some of the times. And in fact, also, according to the trivia, they had to like digitally alter his voice because it dropped too low. Uh, okay. So they had to like, like raise, the pitch raise of it. it. Yeah. Also, at some points in order to like maintain the height. That he was with Linda Hamilton, he would have to stand in a hole because he started getting so tall so fast. Gotcha. So, like, that's just kind of interesting as far as like movie making magic. Yeah. But Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie is fantastic he's never been better yeah i don't think in anything than he is in this movie he's just so cool and he's this unstoppable killing machine that is very stoppable from the <laughs> t1000's perspective like i don't think there's any other movie where arnold gets the shit beat out of him the way he does in this movie arnold really gets better beat up oh like, yeah crazy in this movie by someone who who is the size of me in high school
0: but it just and ends up making robert patrick so much more threatening
1: yeah. Because of that, he's just so much more menacing. Yeah, he's yeah, menacing. And the sequence when they're at Cyberdyne and Arnold is, uh, he's got the minigun and he's shooting all the cops' cars. Then he's shooting and all the cops
0: in the knees. Yeah.
1: They'll live. Yeah. One thing I thought was really cool is while he's firing the minigun, Arnold, the actor, doesn't blink at all. If I was firing a gun, let alone a minigun, every time I pulled the trigger or held it down and, and the round went off, I would be like... Ooh, that's loud or, or wow, this is a powerful kickback on this gun, you, but you'd, you'd react in some way, mm-hmm. but he's a robot. So he's just like coldly, just firing left and right, like hitting his targets and he's, he doesn't blink. He's just like looking at stuff. And then at the end of it, he like does his robot scan and it says zero human casualties. And like, he has this little smile on his face. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, in reality, a robot wouldn't smile, but it works. Like, it just totally works. Yeah, no,
0: there are like, a couple, the- couple moments like that where. A little bit of emotion does show and it's it's really great like what comes to mind for me when i think of him in that role and i don't know i can't remember exactly what's going on i think it's while um edward furlong's trying to teach him how to like curse at people and stuff and he tries or something and edward furlong gives him some sort of like negative feedback like no you dork or something and arnold schwarzenegger gives him this look that's a little bit of like minor frustration and disgust and it really works (laughs) like he's just kind of like "Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's great There's,
1: when they're in mexico yeah. and they're doing the uh give me five up high oh maybe down that's low, what it was yeah because he and misses he goes, his hands. Twos- too yeah, he slow. goes too slow yeah. and the Terminator looks at him like I could rip your head off. That's
0: it. Yeah, and, that's the moment. And
1: Edward Furlong is like, I'm just kidding. And then they keep playing. And then it goes to Linda Hamilton and she's chain smoking watching them and she's like, The Terminator would never leave him. He would never get drunk in it. And you're like, all right, Linda, let's take it down a notch. <laughs> 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 they're just the, everyone in this movie works so well together and then even when she goes to assassinate is it Joe Morton M- who plays Miles Dyson the computer guy yeah. when she goes to assassinate him so she like tries to kill him and for she, whatever reason she she shoots like everything in his house and then she has the opportunity to kill him but then she doesn't and it's not really clear why she doesn't kill him mm-hmm. she just gets really upset and doesn't shoot him is it because his and, kid's
0: there and she realizes well, his, his the kid is
1: there, but I think I think part of her realizes that she's not a murderer and killing she, this guy. You is try not to shoot him in the head. It.
0: The only reason she misses him at first is because he reaches down to pick up a toy
1: car. That's true, but I mean, when you're she's a hundred yards away compared to like three feet, like mm. she got to look him in the eyes, yeah, kind maybe. of a thing. But so she gets real upset, and then the Terminator and and John Connor run in, and then they basically explain to Miles Dyson. Hey, you create this, and everyone's going to die. And he's like, Oh, well, I don't want to do that. Um, let's destroy everything then. Yeah. And and, immediate, and he, immediately he's on board. And again, it's that thing I keep saying. It's a cliche at this point. But when everybody's on the same page is when I'm really into something where even the guy whose entire life work depends on this stuff, even he is like, all of this stuff has to go.
0: Right. And yeah. When- it it it's kind of makes him a more believable character because he's not there going like, I am trying to create an army of robot people. He's like, oh, man, I'm trying to help with like prosthetics or something. Like <laughs> He's like. Like, right. I wasn't trying to plan all that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, let's let's stop that from happening.
1: Well, he says, like, we have to destroy all my work and, and all this stuff. And then he goes, oh, and the chip. He, like, remembers the, the robotic arm and the chip at his work. And Sarah Connor gets pissed off because she's like, I knew it. Because it's the arm from right. the first Terminator movie that got left behind when she crushes Arnold in the uh, hydraulic press. Mm-hmm. And he says, they told us not to... Ask questions about where it came from, but he like gets real excited while he's talking about it. Where he's like, "Oh man, it was leaps and bounds," and he like, prov- and then he and then he realizes you could see the look on his face right. where he's like, "Holy shit, this is why this leads to everything." And he's like, oh, and,
0: "Oh, it was exciting at the time." <laughs> like, that's yeah, like, like so he's just sort of like uh, ashamed.
1: Yeah, and the the sequence where Arnold pulls his arm off, yeah, where he rips the skin off of his arm to show uh, that he's a robot from the future. It looks. So amazingly great. I just can't figure out how they how they did it it just looks so good
0: there there are a couple scenes where the the effects are beyond spot on i think one of them is when they show the judgment day actually happen and mm-hmm. linda hamilton's holding on to a fence and then yeah. this nuclear bomb goes off and like you watch her get stripped down from a full human to like her skin's being ripped off and like she, she's a skeleton holding a fence and i'm like i don't know how the hell they did that that yeah does not look computer animated made it it just looks like it's real
1: and there's not a lot of movies out there that are going to show children on fire (laughs) on a playground (laughs) and while we're watching it my wife goes why didn't the playground equipment melt and i'm just like because it's a movie (laughs) that's the only that's the only response i had because they didn't Uh,
0: want you to distract you from the burning people (laughs)
1: <laughs> the burning children no one wants actually, to swing set actually i think i'd be
0: on. like chill why are you noticing the equipment right now <laughs> there are there children are, there dying
1: are, right there So like yeah but the equipment come on now <laughs> the uh sequence where arnold's getting shot in the face by the cops and it's like blasting away his skin and revealing the robot skeleton underneath looks really great and then the makeup is just really good oh yeah
0: it's huge improvements since the first terminator
1: yeah I mean, it's, this is just a straight up perfect movie. And I stand by what I said last week where you don't need to see the first Terminator to enjoy this movie, but I will say that it does explain (laughs) a lot. I guess that's what makes it a perfect sequel, is that you don't need the original, but it does enhance the viewing experience to have seen the original. Oh, that's what you meant. (laughs) Sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, No, actually, Uh,
0: I saw this before I saw the first one. I did too. And and totally didn't feel like I was missing anything. But then when I did see the first one, I was able to really enjoy it too. I think that's all
1: I got on, on Terminator 2.
0: I think in the extended version, or the director's cut, or whatever it is, you've got a scene that has Michael Bean in it. Yeah, you, that's you true. You don't see yeah. any of Michael Bean in the uh, theatrical version. I don't think you're yeah, missing anything. I like my, Michael Bean, but in terms of understanding the plot or anything, you could watch the theatrical version or... Actually, the theatrical version might even make more sense because if you would, if you didn't see the first one and then you've got Michael Bean showing up, you might be like, I kind of oh, get this who guy. this guy is, but like at the same time, yeah. I don't need this person popping up all of a sudden. It's okay for it to just be kind of built into the exposition, which yeah. is perfectly delivered throughout this movie you don't feel like you're just getting a big explanation at the beginning that's like okay so i have to remember all this stuff to understand things and it feels out of place it's like kind of you get a few pieces here and there good chunks but they you get what you need to understand what's going on along the way Mm -hmm. and and what you were talking about that scene at the hospital is in and of itself there's there's there are no words explaining what's going on but you understand it all visually like i think you could take that scene and just show it to someone and they go okay so she's trying to get out of this place she sees that guy okay he terrifies her in some familiar way Mm -hmm. and then she sees this other guy and realizes something's something else is wrong and Mm -hmm. then he's like come with me if you want to live and it's like Right. And then her face. I mean, a lot of this is how it's written, but a lot of it too is, um, Linda Hamilton's performance where it's so much is on her face So she's like, uh, I super don't trust you. But now that I've seen this last 20 seconds of stuff,
1: you're my okay, best option. I'm figuring yeah. this
0: out. Yeah. It's like, you can see her figuring it out and, and she's walking you right through figuring it out yourself.
1: Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Man, I want to watch great this, action, great music great acting. Too. Actually, the music is the one thing i think i might have a complaint about really is the the theme the theme is like the dun, 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 dun. yeah that's dun, what i'm dun, talking dun. about that's great but the music throughout the movie that isn't the main theme is that early 90s or late 80s synthesizer okay crap and that's the one thing that really stood out to me where i was like uh i think an orchestra probably would have sounded better but yeah i don't remember any of the other music just the
0: theme but i love the theme
1: when you watch it you'll you'll probably pick it out because i pointed it out but you'll be like oh yeah i love the theme and and the theme is like a a redone version of the one from 84 and the terminator 2 theme is so much better (laughs) it's it's just so heavy on those drums with the
0: yeah yeah that's so so iconic really like like, like, yeah it's sort of it it has a real real fitting
1: energy to it does and i loved it i love this movie watch it if you haven't seen it in a while watch it again because it holds up and it is kick-ass all right, so Matt, that brings us to the moment on the show where we add to our movie rankings list. Okay. And I'll go f- I will go first because I have it open. That's good cuz uh, I don't I haven't put, placed this movie yet. All right. So, starting from the top, Terminator 2: Judgment Day, I am going to put into my number 3 slot. Underneath Apollo 13, And above, Braveheart. And this movie gets an easy five stars and a total recommend. And scrolling down to number 35, uh, below Upgrade and above It Follows, I'm going to put Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary. And I'm going to give this three and a half stars and a recommend to check it out
0: all right i am gonna put assimilate on my list right in between underwater and star wars rise of skywalker and never in my life have i felt as confident about exactly where a movie fits other than jaws on my list and so it gets a one and a half stars and a not
1: recommend okay If you would like to check out our list, you can check out thisweekinfilm.com. There you will find a link to our letterboxed page, which keeps a wonderfully organized list for us of both Matt and I's ongoing list. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm going to say list four more times. Hey, if you want to send us an email and tell us what you watched in movies this week, send it to us at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail or contact us on the social networks, and we will read that on the on the show. We'll we'll discuss what you watched and have opinions about it, even if we haven't seen it.
0: <laughs> we'll just have to guess.
1: Yeah, Matt. Anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week.
0: Uh, yeah, a movie called Get Out for Nick. Uh, And (laughs) for everybody else, there's a podcast that I just discovered last week called I Hate It But I Love It. And this is two women who I believe are comedians and writers reviewing movies. They're definitely Canadian. And they crack me up man I the first one I listened to was the review of Wicker Man which is actually how I found it I was just like trying to fall asleep one night and I was like I want to listen to a podcast about a bad movie and so I just looked up reviews of Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage and th- these two women have their takes on movies are really good and their chemistry with each other is really good You, in terms of like feeling like you like people cooperating you'll probably enjoy the chemistry between these two women because they're obviously very good friends and they go off on tangents all the time but they just crack me up i'm literally laughing out loud listening to this podcast most of the time i was cleaning the kitchen the other day for like three hours and i was just enjoying the hell out of myself just listening to their reviews so check How out. How dirty was your kitchen? Uh, I went pretty hard on it. I was using like SOS pads to like clean the grates of my burners.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: it's not so. Much, although I will say, my my kitchen floor. This is very important for the listeners, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> my kitchen floor is is made in such a way that you can clean it, and literally two minutes later, it will be dirty. And you're like, what, "Where's what is going on here? Is this some sort of magnet for fuzzies and dirt and things?" But anyway, I hate it, but I love it totally check it out okay don't stop listening to us but do start listening (laughs) to them
1: (laughs) all right well i guess if that is the end of the reel, we will see you next week in film judge movies not people i have no follow-up all right